0: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: Because the population is exploding in growth. Now, I would like to tell you, so you don't have unnecessary guilt, we, I, will never be able to reach everyone. But I am called to the humanity that I'm around here on Oahu. I live in Kuleo'o. I'm responsible for my neighborhood. As a pastor, I'm responsible somewhat with the neighborhood around here in Uanu. As a church, to make sure, are we penetrating our community with the gospel? Let's give these guys a big hand. Thank you, guys. You know who our enemy is. You have what we call the world system, the flesh, that's you and me sometimes. That's that Adamic nature of ourselves. And, of course, Satan. One writer called it this way. We have an external enemy, which is the world. We have an internal enemy, which is the flesh. And we have an infernal enemy, which would be Satan. Now, remember this world map that we had here? Jesus was in the world, but he's not of the world. God says I'm to be in the world, but I'm not of the world. There are two extremes that we have to avoid. Number one is isolation. Isolation. I know that it's important to teach God's word. I know it's important for us to get into our meetings so we can grow and learn His Word and have answers and that our lives are changing based on God's Word, that we have answers to the questions of the world so we can answer their questions in in an intelligent fashion. So I need to get in those groups and I need to spend my time learning that. So I'm learning who I am, learning who He is, learning the book, learning how to communicate all that. But friends, listen very carefully. Sometimes we can become a career Bible student and we can miss the whole purpose we're doing this is to glorify the Lord by going into the world and communicating the gospel. We create an isolationist thing. I don't want to be like the world, so I want to separate from the world. So we're so separated from the world that the most we might do is invite someone to a meeting where maybe the message is given, clear or not. And so we have a problem. Isolationism is a very dangerous thing that we have. So let me encourage you that have small group Bible studies. While you have them, I'm not saying you shouldn't have them. That's not the answer. You don't stop that. Then you'll have a very anemic church, and God doesn't want that. But while you're doing that, get into that holy huddle of yours, and with those people, begin to think about what you could do as a group to reach out. Are the people being taught how to share the gospel themselves? When you sense a lost person, are you building a bridge with them to help them come to faith in Jesus Christ? The biggest question is, is are you doing all that you believe God wants you to do, corporately and individually, in that group, to reach people for Christ? I, I can't judge you, and I'm not going to judge you. I promise you that. All I can do is pose the question, and those of you that are mature and want to get that, you're going to say, all right, are we really doing enough? Think about it, whether it's a Sunday morning class or a church event or ministry, whatever it might be. Are we doing what we really can? And if you sense as a group comes together that you are, then you celebrate that and make sure you don't slide back from that. So you just go to the Lord on that. But isolationism is not the answer. The second thing we have to be careful be careful of is imitation. Just like we don't want to isolate from the world, sometimes in our desire to reach the world, we begin to imitate the world. That's why I say it's important for us to engage the world, but not to embrace the world. So you say, ooh, if I am to uh, engage the world and I'm not supposed to imitate the world, watch this now, how do I insulate myself from the world? I don't know if we have any firefighters that are here, but this is as little I know of firefighters, is that when they go into a fire, They have to make sure a lot of things are happening. First, they have to have an insulated suit. Then they have to have a mask because they know there's poison gases that are emitted during that fire or the smoke, etc. They know they have to protect their eyes so they have a special shield. They have a communication system just in case something happens in the building and they get disconnected from a source that's out there to give them protection or provide resources for them. So there's a lot going on. But the answer isn't, I'm going to just go into the fire and live any way that I want because I'm a fireman. No, you get yourself insulated. The other thing you don't do is you don't run away from fire because, oh, it's hot, I might get hurt. And I don't want to do that because I'm too good for that and I sure shouldn't do that. I don't do that either. We insulate ourselves. And how do we do that? By spending time in the Word, our quiet time, with the purpose of not just being informed but being transformed. We spend time in prayer, communication to the one who is sending us into a world that's on fire and not for God. We spend time fellowshipping with other firemen, so we're learning how to do this, and we're kind of a band of brothers and a band of sisters and a band of brothers and sisters doing this. So all together, we don't isolate, we don't imitate, but we do biblically insulate to reach this world. So that's where I go. Let's answer the second question, why do I go? Well, there's probably a myriad of answers to that because... God wants different motivations. Different people are motivated. Different people respond to things differently. But maybe there's one response that we can give that was pretty equal to everybody's personality. Let me read it to you here. It's found in John 4, and it says, Jesus speaking, "'My food is to do the will of him who sent me "'and to finish his work. "'Do you not say there are still four months, "'and then comes the harvest? "'Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes "'and look at the fields, "'for they're already white for harvest.'" And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and reaps may rejoice together, for in this the saying is true. One sows, another reaps. I send you to reap that for which you have not labored, and others have labored and you have entered into their labors. The answer is simply this. Why do I go? It is essential. The field is ready for it. Some will come to Christ sooner than later, but right now we don't have much time. Now, why do we not have much time to give the gospel? I'm going to give you three reasons. They're not in your notes. Write them in your margin if you'd like. Very simple. Why is it essential for me to give the gospel as soon as I can? Realistically speaking, of course, remember that. Number one, that person could die before they hear the gospel. Now, I do believe that nobody is in hell who's not supposed to be there. But on the other hand, they really could die without them hearing the message. They could die move away whatever they can get away from that the message number two you could die or you could be transported away from that person in some measure whatever it might be that you're not connecting to that person and here's one that we often overlook and that is at any moment Jesus Christ could come back and we're all out of here and I might say this probably at that moment when we Christians are gone at that moment and the soon moments afterwards this world will really rejoice because whatever governor, I don't mean political, whatever governor we have on this world by our lifestyle, it's gone, folks. And all hell will begin to break loose. So we could be gone. It's essential. I want to read some statistics to you. There's, there's more statistics than you could ever read in a lifetime on the Internet. But I picked out some statistics because they're dear to our hearts, and here's what they are. These are statistics of what happens to children... Every single day in the United States of America. Now remember what I'm saying. Children. Every single day in the United States of America. And I'm getting this from a non-Christian source. The Children's Defense Fund. Are you ready for this? Why it's essential for us to give the gospel. I only picked out children. One young person under the age of 25 dies from HIV. This is every day. Five children under the age of 20 will commit suicide. Every day. Nine children under the age of 20 are victims of homicide every day 34 children under 20 will die in an automobile accident every day every day in america 180 children are arrested for violent crimes committing the crimes every day in america 367 children are arrested for drug abuse every day in america 437 children are arrested for drinking or drunken driving every day Every day in America, 2,861 high school students will drop out every day. Every day in America, 3,288 children will run away from home. Some of them probably multiples. Every day in America, 4,248 children are arrested. Every day in America, 7,863 children are reported abused or neglected. That's every day. Every day in America, 17,297 public school students are suspended. According to the disease control and prevention, U.S. children under 15 now, 12 times more likely to die from gunfire. Let me say that again. 12 times more likely children under 15 to die from gunfire than children in 25 other industrial countries combined. U.S. children under 15 are 16 times more likely to be murdered by a gun, 11 times more likely to commit, to commit suicide by a gun. And last statistic is this, and nine times more likely to die in a firearm accident than children in 25 other industrialized countries combined. Now, I know these statistics are dealing with children, but exponentially they'll explode when you deal with teenagers, And you deal with young adults and older people. You can imagine how many thousands of people, lives are changed forever in America that need to hear the gospel. That is why I am so glad just on our island alone, we have Child Evangelism Fellowship trying to go after these kids. Why we have Youth for Christ Hawaii trying to reach our teenagers and young adults. Why we have the fellowship of Christian athletes going after a group of people that desperately need to hear the gospel and to have values in their life. I am so excited about what's being done, even through our own church and the potential that we have. When Carol and I walked up and down the streets of Rangoon, which is in Burma, all we could see was a sea of people who did not know Christ and no real freedom to get the gospel out. So many of them wearing their togas or robes because there were some form of priest and parents giving up their little children to become priests in all these different temples that were there. And I'm thinking, there's no way we can reach many of these adults, but if there was ever a hope, it'll be with boys and girls. I'm thinking about how we could reach them. Number one, what is it going to take? I call it team workers. It says, both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. We will not be able to reach all of our island people unless we partner up with those organizations that are, first of all, doctrinally sound, secondly, clear on the gospel. That's often left out. We'll be very careful about the doctrine, but then we can hang around people that are unclear on the message of the gospel. And so we have to have both of those, and we need to partner with them. We need team workers. This church needs more workers with our children's ministries. There's so much more we could do if we could open up our church on Wednesday night for our children to come where the adults are being trained and we can reach more people for Christ. We don't have a Wana here and yet I'm asked to speak every year, multiple times during the year for the Iwana convention here on the island. But we don't even have it in our church. You might say, why don't we have it? It's not because we don't want it. It's because I don't have enough parents that are willing to say, you know what, I've got a lot of other stuff going on in my world. I'm so involved in all these team stuff with my kids after school. Maybe I need to slow our world down, learn how to work with a wanna, and offer it on a nighttime or a Sunday night or a midweek or something to reach the community of kids who mom and dad won't go to church, but the children, hey, they'd love to get rid of those kids so they can go do their stuff. Well, we can't reach parents, but maybe we could reach the kids. And it's funny how sometimes you reach the kids, you reach the parents. But we have to be team workers and work this together. Number two, it's tough work. It says others have labored and you have entered into their labors. Now that word labor actually in the Greek means toil to the point of weariness. I do not doubt that you toil to the point of weariness. I believe you do. The real question is when you toil to the point of weariness, is it really about winning people to Christ and discipling them afterwards? I don't know. I'm not on a rank I'm not ranting with you. I'm just trying to awaken some of us to this. How do I go? Well, John 20, 21 says this. So Jesus said to them, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you, and it goes on to say, and when he had said this, he breathed on them. <laughs> And said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now I don't have to wait for the Lord to breathe on me to get the Holy Spirit. The moment I trusted Christ as Savior it was almost like the breath of God placed within me, the Holy Spirit. Just like that when I trusted Christ. So all power has not, I'm not waiting for more power from God. All power that I need to communicate the gospel with my personality and my imperfections has been given to me through the Holy Spirit. I have all the power to do that. He promised that he would come and he came. He says that when you go, I will go with you, in you and with you. Isn't that cool? The Lord goes in us through the Spirit and with us as who He is when I go out to make disciples of all nations. That's all power. I'm looking out at our own group here. I don't know everybody, so would you, I'm apologizing ahead of time if I leave you out. But I am want to talk to you about a couple of people that embraced the biblical teaching of this message that are seated right here in this Sanctuary today with us. We have four that I'm aware of. These are four men with their wives who somewhere along in their journey with God heard these truths. Maybe not in the same little three-point message, but somewhere along the line, something was going on in their world and they said, Lord, I want to do everything. I want to live my life totally for you. I'm willing to go and be and do anything you want. And somehow God brought to them an understanding to come to Hawaii. It wasn't palm trees, rainbows, beaches. It was because there was a need on Oahu for men and women to come to faith in Christ, and you guys know that. That's not marginalizing our our local people, our brothers and sisters, so to speak, our cousins. But it is to say, you know well enough. You work with them. You you neighbor next to them. You know they don't know Christ to save you. You hear the profanity. You've been you've been abused by them in business. You see that they just need Christ. We're not putting them down. We're just saying they're needy people. Hurt people, hurt people. And so we need to give them the gospel. So you got Pastor Dennis. Goes to the Philippines. Works over there as a missionary. Does his work. Comes back here with his wife. Comes into the church. And with the former pastor here. Says I'll do whatever it takes. I want to reach island people for Christ. And through the course of some mentoring. Boom. He's on staff. One of our most outstanding staff people. And dear friend of us. And then I think of Charlie and Pam. I was in their home, stayed in their home, Carol and I, saw their ministry, saw the profound influence they had in Tennessee, watched what he did to plant churches, followed his ministry for over 35 years, mentored him when he began. Somewhere along the line, God placed within him a heart for the local people. And those of you who have been with Charlie personally, you know he and Pam love you. And so they came with no promise from me that I'd give him any money the only promise they got from me is that I'd work them to death here. when they're there. But, but they follow this message. I'll go whatever it takes. I'll give up whatever I have to. I'll give up my kids, my, 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 my grandkids. I will come to this island and restart with my son because I want to reach people. I think of Scott Wells who hears me one time at a marriage retreat in South Texas and he says, man, I want to reach those island people. I have no money. I got all these kids. I have no promise of a job, but I'm going. I'm going to follow God's call. He came here. God promised him or blessed him with a job. He's now teaching you. Love him, his wife, his children. You know that. I'm thinking of Brian and Josie. I can't go down the Paua area and look at the house that Brian stayed in when he came off the the plane in his little tiny house, that in order to, to, to be in the room to sleep, he had to open his bed just to, to lay down because he couldn't walk in the room in any other way other than fold up his bed, little tiny refrigerator paying six or $700 a month, putting his food out in another cabinet only to have it stolen at night by people in the house. And he never once, never once said, I want to go back to Washington State. I came here because I love you. Now, you might think, well, you're puffing all these guys. No, I'm just telling you stuff that they won't probably tell you very much. But they came here for our island people. They came here for your friends, the children that your children play with. And they're not not some super whiz-bang guys. They all stink under their arms like I do. But they all love each other, and they love you. And what I'd like to say is that the best is yet to come for our church because while we might not be called to go to Maui or Kauai we are called to reach our people and that was what God called them to do and my question to you is are you doing all that God wants you to do where do you where do you and my arms around you and I love you and I'm hugging you right now but where do you go from here in today's message or is this just another usual Sunday morning message where will you go Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I know where those guys went. They went here. There still may be someone that came in late and doesn't understand hardly anything I'm talking about. And for you, I want you to know what I'm telling our people is to go into the community and explain the message of salvation that is by faith alone in Christ. And if you don't trust Christ, he that has the Son has life, but he that has not the Son, he that does not trust Christ does not have life. And so he wants God. He wants you to trust Christ as your Savior. He wants you to have the Son. Yes, he wants you to have eternal life in heaven. Yes, he does. He wants you to escape eternal damnation in hell. But even beyond that, he wants to have an intimate relationship with you. Not because he's lonely. My goodness, he's not. He's God. But because by having an intimate relationship with us really means it's us having one with Him first and foremost. And there is so much joy in that. Just listen to the praise song our guys sang at the end, at the beginning rather of our service. So here's what you might do you might come to the Lord and say, You know what, I heard this today. They're trying to reach people like me. They love me. They're letting me know that God loves me and that God will forgive me of my sin and my guilt can be gone and I can have a home in heaven and a relationship with the Lord. I want all that. Yeah, I'd like to get out of debt. Yeah, I'd like to have a better relationship with my family and friends. And yeah, I'd like to have better health. But if I don't get all of that, I don't want to miss a relationship with God and a home in heaven waiting for me. So all you do is simply say this, my dear friend. Say this to the Lord. Lord, I'm a sinner. I know I don't deserve a relationship with you or home in heaven or sins forgiven. But you, in your mercy and grace, you did all the work for me on the cross. When you died, shed your blood, and you rose again. And now you, with the kindest of eyes the darling of heaven, if you would simply place your faith alone in Jesus Christ. It is faith alone in him. Once you have that, you have the beginning of the most spectacular eternal relationship you could ever have with the only God. But you must come to Christ. He did his part. He left the glories of heaven, came to this earth, brought the message to you, did all the work, but you've got to do the receiving of it. And you do that by faith alone, not by your good deeds. It's not by faith in good works. It is simply believing that Jesus is the Lord, the only God, who died and rose again and will forgive you of all your sin. And so Jesus did that for you. Is there anyone in here that would say, yep, today's the day? I don't want to miss another day outside of my relationship with Christ that I could have. Is there anyone today with heads bowed and eyes closed? Don't let someone's phone distract you right now because Satan will do anything he can. He'll use anything to distract you from the truth right now. But right now, you need to trust Christ. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, is there anyone in here without having to say a word, but quietly slip up your hand and let me know by that hand. I won't have you come forward or stand up or say anything. I won't come to you. But if today is the day you're trusting Christ and you'd like for me to pray for you because today is the day. I'd like to do that. So with heads bowed, eyes closed, is there anyone in here today that's trusting Christ as your forever Savior? Slip up your hand and put it down. Never done it before, but today's the day. Would you put your hand up? Anyone at all? Okay. I didn't think so. Now, Christians, let me speak to you for a minute. If God is speaking to you and you're now asking the question, Lord, where do I go from here? I know I need to go into all the world. I need I know why it's essential. I need I know how it's By your power but Lord I need someone to come alongside me to give me a little bit of guidance that's what the disciples did and now I need someone to disciple me or to mentor me guys with guys gals with gals couples with couples if that's where you are and you're sensing that and you're you're making no promises you're not saying I'm going to sell my house and I'm going to go to Timbuktu you're just saying I want to go further with the gospel than I have gone before but I need some help and I I'm willing to listen at least. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to take out that guest card that you had in your worship folder and put your name and contact information. And I promise you I'm going to get that. And I'm going to go through that in prayer and you'll be contacted. I don't know where it's going to go yet. I didn't come here with trying to do an infomercial on something I wanted to start. I just want to know, is there anybody that wants to do anything? And where are we with this? Let me know, will you? If I said stuff and you're still wanting to know what about this verse and I don't understand that and all that, put that down there too. we will dialogue. We'll sort it all out together. Let's go on this journey together. I'm not going anywhere until Jesus comes or takes me. And I love being a part of your life. Is there anyone that would like to have prayer today about that and you're just seeking God? Would you put up your hand now? Amen. Father, we come before you now and we know that We all need help. We thank you for your spirit that empowers us, reminds us, convicts us when we go out of bounds. But we also want to thank you for your mercy and grace and how patient you are with us as we're on this journey. But, Lord, I do pray that that this church would not be a maintenance church, that we're just taking care of us for no more shut the door, and that we're not getting to be soft and complacent and apathetic about world evangelism. And that we're not just cheerleaders on the sideline for our missionaries and chuck a little bit of money their way and applaud them when they go out and do stuff. But that Father will get dirty for you. That we'll get bruised and sacrificed for you. That Lord, we'd remove some stuff out of our life that is really good, that's really good to do, but we'd get that out of our life. So then we'd have time to do what's really great for you. So give us wisdom and discernment on this. And let us not judge one another and where they are in their journey. Let's just go alone with you and Partner up with those who want to partner with us. And Father, we love you now in Jesus' name.